Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks like brontosaurus ribs. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Doing great. Doing good? Did you know, I don't know if you knew this, you might know this, the Brontosaurus, which was one of the dinosaurs that we knew growing up, it's actually a bullshit dinosaur, it's a fake dinosaur, it was the, the wrong head put on the wrong, wrong body, so it actually doesn't exist. Did you know that? I did know that. Okay, good. Now you know that. Uh, now the audience knows that. Um, obviously, we're leading with the topic of dinosaurs because Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is out, we're going to be talking about it today. But before we do, I do want to go back and I do just want to, as if we haven't done this enough already, I want to set the stage just for my love of Jurassic Park, your love of Jurassic Park. Um, it's, it is the, it's the movie. Like a lot of people have a moment in their lives where they turn a corner or they, they become who they're going to be. And Jurassic Park, when I was seven, is that movie. It's I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's the movie that made me love movies. It was the first magical experience that I had in the movie theater. And I'm sure that I have seen other movies before it in the movie theater. I think I even saw Batman Returns, which was a year earlier in the movie theater. But this is my first vivid memory of seeing seen that movie do you have the same vivid memories with jurassic park as i do or maybe not as not quite as much um i mean yes and no i i do remember seeing it in the theaters and i remember you know loving it as well sure i I don't know that it's shaped my movie life and love like (laughs) it did yours but i definitely i mean it's definitely an iconic movie for me absolutely well i mean it was kind of the perfect storm for me i mean i was big into dinosaurs as a kid already and then after Jurassic Park, I couldn't get enough of them. I had all the books, I had all the magazines, I had all the studied up on them all. I, you know, had all the toys. I had everything. I knew Jurassic Park was my barometer for everything. Steven Spielberg was the guy. Um, for the longest time, I thought Jeff Goldblum was the hunter, um, and I didn't know who was who. Like I didn't know how to do that research. Um, but like Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, like those names were etched into my brain. Um, the, the runtime Jurassic Park is two hours and seven minutes long. That is the runtime for which I judge movies like as if like they are if they are around that time, then cool. We're into it. But if they're like sub two hours, I have question marks that pop up already that are concerning to me. Not that it's a deal breaker or anything. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely the movie that shaped my you know, love for movies and the franchise in and of itself. Like I've always been there for, um, they've always been event movies, even the third one, which is really not that great. Um, just, and we, we won't make this podcast about that, but we got three sequels. We got the lost world, Jurassic park. We got Jurassic park three, we got Jurassic world. And now we got fallen kingdom. Um, even though none of them, not even, I mean, this one, definitely not, uh, Jurassic World, definitely not. Jurassic Park 3, hell no. Lost World, none of them came close to the original. They've always had decent amounts of action, I feel. They've always had memorable moments, whether it be the trailer sequence going over the cliff in the Lost World, whether it be the riverboat sequence or the um, pterodactyl sequence or the uh, t- 
pteranodon, see, they're not pterodactyls, they're pterodons or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, in the Jurassic Park 3, and then, you know, the final fight in Jurassic World. Like, there's always been good shit in these movies. Sure. Um, The only thing that I understand as a complaint is how many times can people keep going back to Dinosaur Island? Like... (laughs) Even King Kong didn't do that, you know. Godzilla didn't, you know. They, you know, they all got off of whatever island they were going to. Mm-hmm. So that was always the. I, I get that. Um, do you do you feel the same way about the franchise in general? Do are they inconsequential to you, um, or or are you just kind of like, yeah, they're good, but not on the level of of my obsessive nature. Well, I think the bar was set so high with the first one with Spielberg. Um, just the people that were involved with it in general. It was just, to me, you know, one of those movies that you could pretty much call like a perfect movie. Like the performances were good. Um, the effects are good. I mean, I can watch that movie now and it doesn't feel old and dated. No, uh, like the there's effects. Ve- there's very few things in that that I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's kind of dated. Like even even the cars, even Except though they're the freaking like, like, even though they're like 93 Ford Explorers, right. you know, um, like I could still buy that. Like you could go to a theme park today and like be riding in a 93 Ford Explorer because it's not like you use fancy cars to drive right. you around theme parks. Right. Um, you know, the computers maybe a little bit dated. You see, <laughs> you see Samuel L and you're like, okay, he's still got hair. So this has yeah. got to be a long time ago. Yep. Um, so there's little things there here and there that remind you that it's an older movie, but like, to me, if I'm going to watch a Jurassic Park movie, it's still going back to the first one. Like that's the only one I care to go out of my way to rewatch over and over again. Um, and you had Spielberg come back for Lost World, but I think no one's going to deny that that's, was a big, a decent step down from the first one. Sure. Um, It, It was a completely different. It was darker, it was more violent, it was more cynical. Well, and you got you got a little bit cheesy when you got to San Diego and yeah. some of the stuff going on there. Like it's where you started to get to really like I guess somewhat ridiculousness like that this franchise has with sure. it, which is you know, for lack of better, a sci fi type of you know, film. Um, you always have some of that like out there stuff that ends up happening but the first one that was the thing that i felt like was the difference like other than the whole fact that that we're saying we got from a mosquito the dna to be able to recreate dinosaurs like if we got beyond that like everything else in that movie felt like it could be real like they weren't using like fancy laser guns or like any kind of crazy technology like you felt like if there was some way to recreate dinosaurs like and someone decided to make a park like this seems pretty realistic like you know like that kind of thing so and i felt like you got you get a little bit more into the absurd stuff as you go on like well, more especially more. the third especially once we get to jurassic world and they've they've genetically created their own modified monster. yeah you know the the raptors have become the the scooby squad or whatever like but i'm but i'm on board with it like i'm you know there's Again, there's only so many times you can put people on Dinosaur Island without throwing these sci-fi curveballs um, or these genetic oddity curveballs to try and spice it up a little. Um, And, you know, the same is true of Fallen Kingdom. Um, So let's let's talk about Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom, 
obviously the fifth film in the franchise. Um, coming in, we got a completely different director, J.A. Bayona, who is known for his horror films like The Orphanage, but also some of his, you know terrifying spectacle man versus nature movies like he did the tsunami movie the impossible with ewan mcgregor and naomi watts shows that he can do like large-scale destruction he did um a monster calls which was that uh, not a lot of people saw it but i remember seeing the trailer where the kid manifests the giant monster it looked like a very emotional movie that i had no desire to go see and weep endlessly while watching but it looked great it looks it looked like literally visually looked great and so he was brought on board for for uh for fallen kingdom um which i thought was interesting i thought it was interesting that they went with a director that didn't have um either an indie cred background although he did he's done some indies and stuff but also it just is he's got a very different eye um, in terms of production design and in terms of shot staging. And I think that's very evident in this film. Now, before we get into the details, I enjoyed this film quite a bit. It is, as we've just got done talking about, nothing touches the original. Nothing even comes close to the original. To judge uh, uh, towards the original, I think, is really, really hard to do. I don't think it's unfair. I think it's perfectly fair to judge to the original. Um, but I thought this movie did a lot of different things than what we normally see in this franchise. Now, you made a comment to me about how it seemed more generic, because, and I think it was because of those changes. So I'm very interested in your thoughts in regards to that. Well, I just feel Without like... Without getting into spoilers, obviously. Sure. Well, I just feel like they relied very heavily on a lot of nostalgia in this film. Okay. Um, and, and maybe that's intentional. Um, maybe that's was not intentional, but there's a, this is chock full of nostalgia. Okay. Um, and we'll break it down a little bit more in the spoiler section. Cause I, there is obviously tons of nostalgia. There's tons of callbacks, not just to Jurassic world, which you would expect because they're going back to where Jurassic world Right. happened we that know that from the event. trailers yeah um, it'd be like if disneyland blew up yeah like so you, it's not can't help but that make. that was expected to me but the amount that they tried to go back to the nostalgia of the the first couple films uh -huh. um i won't say just the first one but definitely the first couple films um there's nothing wrong with that but if you're going to do that, then you're going to open yourself to me up to criticism of even more comparisons to the originals. You're going to get a lot more conversation about that. Okay. Um, I also think it kind of is like two different films. Very much so. It's almost like three different films. Yeah. So you have the beginning, which is basically, and this is this is something that maybe we have to say for the, the spoilers, but... Well, I mean, I from have, the trailers, like, we can discuss... This is nothing that we discuss right now hasn't been seen in the trailers, so we're going to paint in very broad The thing strokes. is, is the way that this film was marketed for the vast majority of its marketing, yeah. even if you go online and read a, basically, a plot or a synopsis, like, mm -hmm. go back to old school days, what you would read on the back of the DVD the case. Card or the or, DVD, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, 
doesn't really depict what this movie is really about. Okay. Which, if we're going back to, like, Cars 3. Ah, I was just going to say Rick, that. Rick usually has issues when movies are marketed a different way than they actually are. Okay. The only reason why I think this changes a little bit, because, like, the final trailer that came out for... Fallen Kingdom, I mm-hmm. think, maybe teased a little bit of some of the other stuff that goes on. But mm-hmm. most of the marketing around this is about the first 30, 30 40 minutes, minutes of, the of the film. Yeah. And that's all of them back on the island. You know, typical, iconic, big pan, big CGI shots sure. that we're Volcano, used to. From... dinosaurs running, all that shit. Yeah, The exactly. whole first trailer was that. When the first trailer came out, everyone was like, well, this just shows the end of the movie. But then the directors actually came out and said, no, this only shows the first 30 minutes. Sure. Which to me, which is really funny that you have that feeling. And and, and we will have to table this for spoilers because I felt that the trailer showed way more than they should have. Like the trailers have shots in, in, in it from like the final confrontations. Sure. Um, and there are certain movies where you market it and you don't see any of that, you know, like you don't see any of the final battles or like you take black Panther, for example, like none of, I'm, and again, I'd have to watch all the trailers and yep. all that, but like, there are very few shots of like the final shit in, in, in those film, in those trailers. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Um, so that's interesting. So we'll have to break down the trailers a little bit more. Um, but did that affected your, your enjoyment of the film? You think? No, not necessarily to me. It's just, after the first 30 minutes, to me, it strays away from a traditional Jurassic Park film. And, Definitely. And, and maybe maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. But to me, um, it took away a little bit of what makes Jurassic Park Jurassic films Park. Jurassic Park to okay. me. Like, not that, and granted, it's called Jurassic World now. And so you expected <laughs> that we were going to move away from. Um, the park the park and yeah. like you said how many times can we go back to the same I mean, the dinosaur t- islands the tagline is the park is gone exactly so, <laughs> so I get it I was expecting that but I think I was expecting a little bit more like this island. is this is operated on a very small like scope like very much so from it's the, very claustrophobic is yeah. the word that I've been used to describe it like, to me, it felt like if you got rid of the first 30 minutes of this film, like, other than, obviously, the needed CGI to CGI dinosaurs, <laughs> right. um, it felt like this film could have been done for 50 million bucks. Sure. Like, sure. because there's not a whole lot to it after that is. point. That's, that's, I'm going to have to, like, let's see. If you were to budget it by... 170 scenes, million. That's actually a relatively small budget I'm, I'm going to say 120. 30 of that million, if not more, went to the first 30 minutes of the film. Okay. Okay. So, and again, this isn't stuff that's necessarily wrong with it. It's just, to me, it affects affects the flow a little bit to me. Sure. That we go from, like, this big expanse of, like, old park and things like that, um, almost Lost World-esque callbacks. Yeah, a lot of Lost World callbacks. To a you know, for lack of a better term, thriller horror types motif. Very I guess. much so. So, I mean, very much so in this. And, and that's something that like, I literally just watched a, an interview with Spielberg. Uh, and he was saying like, one of the things that J.A. Bayona brings to this film is a different eye and that he has way more of a, as Spielberg put it, a Gothic grim fairy tale type 
aesthetic about yeah. his films. And I think that that's extremely accurate. Um, so I think that's interesting because I agree with you on all of those things that you said. Yeah. Except for me, they didn't, they enhanced the film for me rather than take them away. Um, did you, so I have a question for you. Did, did you have, when Jurassic World came out, Jurassic World has been a very divisive film on film Twitter dot, you know, TM. Um, copyright, whatever. Film Twitter loves to argue about Jurassic World. There are certain sites and groups of fans that thinks the first Jurassic World film is a piece of trash. Now, I'm just going to go out and say that anytime I see anybody's Twitter take on a film, a summer blockbuster film, call it absolute trash, I give pause. Because sure. that is being disres like disrespectful. I, I find it to be disrespectful. You know, when you have films like Snow Sharks that exist or goddamn Sharknado 5 and we're calling Jurassic World trash, I feel like we need to step back and maybe grab ourselves by the ears and pull our heads out of our asses a little bit. I very much enjoy Jurassic World. I am emotionally compromised because when that first trailer came out and it showed me a functioning... Jurassic Park theme park with guests and attractions and dinosaurs, my inner seven-year-old burst out of my chest like an alien, like ready to go. And then when the film came out, thoroughly enjoyed it. Not as good as Jurassic Park. Nothing is, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Did you, same thing? I enjoyed it. Okay. I had, I mean, there was definitely some things that I had issues with. There was plenty of things that I would say kind of took away a little bit from give me, it give me a couple i'm curious well if you I, can if the, you can the thing is too and i don't want to get too like nitpicky of it but like i'm no, gonna that's okay i'm just gonna say like i've got nothing against her but like bryce dallas howard to me and claire claire deering's role to me has been one of the weaker parts of both films i love bryce dallas howard she's on the list it's she's not that the, i don't like her again 10. it's not that i don't like her herself but you like just, the character does nothing. The character does nothing for me. Some of the lines to me are overly cheesy. The whole film of her running around in white heels, the entire film okay. running away from a dinosaur. Again, it's like I don't want to get too nitpicky, right. but they're just little things that to me, like, again, when you call your movie Jurassic Park or Jurassic World and yeah. you get in the franchise, like you have no choice but to get yourself compared to the first one. Of course. And there wasn't those like glaring mistakes. No. In my opinion, in in even two and three, like there's different mistakes that are made in two and That's three. That's true. It's but there's true. something as simple as that just seemed a little ridiculous. Okay. Um, Much has been made of the of the high heel. Sure, kids. sure. But there's, I mean, there's just little things like that. Like to me, what Jurassic World was and what I loved about Jurassic World, because I would say I loved Jurassic World. Okay. Um is that it gave you that site, I think, what everybody wanted from the original Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. um, with Jurassic Park, we never saw it open as a park. We saw, like, the preview. They were bringing people in, right. basically evaluating, is it okay for us to open this up to the public? Right. But Small we never cast, we, like, eight people. But we never saw, like, the public actually there. And right. so I think everybody, especially as kids, like, everybody evaluated, like, what would it be like to go to a park like that sure. if it was fully functional. Sure. And we finally saw that. So right. that was really cool. That was a cool payoff. I was fine with all the action. I was even fine with the genetically modified 
Yeah, it gave the Whatever. film a villain. If we're if the if the if the Rex is the hero, and we're in this in the middle of this PR campaign to turn Velociraptors into the heroes, which B- BTW very successful to me, public relations campaign to make Velociraptors the heroes again. Um, you gotta give us a bad guy, sure. You know? And it's gotta be something because nobody bought the Spinosaurus in the third one. The Spinosaurus, fucking donkey punched the T-Rex in the back of the head and took him out in two and a half minutes and everyone was like, this is bullshit. So you have to make a monster. But this is the thing too that this is where there was a significant, a st- distinct change when you went from the first three films to now these two films and we were getting another one, at least another one. Definitely. Um, is that you went from what I would say a grounded science fiction film Mm-hmm. One that interacted with dinosaurs the way that I feel like realistically, if you were to suddenly bring dinosaurs back and put people in these situations, sure. like people would react with them. And we may found out, find that out in our lifetime. Too. And <laughs> now you've got where like in Jurassic World, you open the door to like, let's try to train raptors sure. and let's genetically modify and make a killing machine new like new dinosaurs. Right. Like. You you went away from like let's have this like what we all grew up on kids wise, dreaming about dinosaurs, never getting to see them, uh-huh. seeing fossils basically come to life, mm-hmm. but keeping them in their cages because we understand like these are very dangerous things sure. to now we go into this world of like let's play with sharp with dangerous <laughs> animals and objects and try to train them. Right. Like no one in today's world is trying to train like gorillas and tigers to be like war machines but for uh, some reason in this we're trying to maybe, turn maybe maybe you just don't know and and even them in this movie and this isn't a big spoiler but they talk about how like animals have been used all along in warfare elephants That's, and horses yeah, and things back like in that the day elephants and horses is very different than a velociraptor or a T-Rex. Like, True. They used them for riding on the horse. And the well, horses used, like, weren't like eating people. Well, they on used like dolphins. Like they did use dolphins in like World War II for, I don't fucking know. I'd have to look up the Wikipedia yes, page. Yes, there's a difference between like using them for like scouting and things like that versus trying to have a dolphin go like attack a submarine or something there, like that. There is a like, line in the, in this film where they say like, it accepts commands better than a human soldier. And I said, fuck you. It <laughs> accepts commands better than a human soldier. You're out of your mind. What? So it's like, again, these are all things that it's just like, for me, it'll always be the first three movies and whatever we get from these. Okay. Next Cause three. these ones definitely took an inevitable step, maybe not an inevitable step, but they took a very conscious step towards we're going to be telling way more science fiction genetic horror stories exactly okay. exactly so okay. and that's that's really kind of the difference for me okay um, between them and it's like that's why it's like obviously from a marketing and a money perspective like you're not going to call this anything other than Jurassic something but to me other than us getting um Jeff Goldblum, Dr. Ian Malcolm talking like these movies are as separate from each other as as they can be. Sure. Um, Sure. We're not even going back to the same island necessarily. No. no, Well, I mean, that's the the other funny thing is that if you count the five Jurassic Park films, two of them went to the original Jurassic Park island. Two of them went to Site B, 
Um, and this one is spends half of its time. Apparently on the there's just tons okay. of islands out there in the South Pacific or, or this one's now in like Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Area. They've always been in Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Rica Los Cinco Muertas. Apparently right? there's just tons of islands out there that are, you know, not inhabited, but apparently perfect for so, putting up a giant resort. So I'm, I'm playing through Jurassic world evolution right now, the park builder game. And each one of the five islands in the Los Cinco Muertas has its own version of, you know, you got to meet the requirements, you got to build your own park there and whatever. So you have four of those islands are just like tiny little bullshit islands. One of them is Site B, which was the factory floor. And then Isla Nublar was the Jurassic Park island. But but Hammond bought those out from the Costa Rican government like like decades ago. <laughs> so we had, we had six, technic, I mean, technically we still have five other islands that weren't destroyed by a volcano. Um, exactly. If we want to put the dinosaurs back on dinosaur Island um, and not have them worry about a volcano thing. So I, it's, it's super interesting to me because I agree with literally everything that you're saying, except it doesn't diminish my enjoyment of the film mm-hmm. at all. Um, to me, it feels like a natural progression. The first film was always a question of, uh, of playing God and creating genetically modified animals and substituting, you know, sequences in their DNA with sequences from other animals. In, th- in that case, they use frogs. They didn't really talk about that in the second and third film. The second and third films were really just about the preservation of the animals on the island. But the fourth film, again, really leaned into that where they took all different types of animals and put them in a, in a cocktail mixer and came up with the Indominus Rex. And then this film, you know, as we've seen in the trailers, we get the Indoraptor. Um, and what's interesting to me, David, is when, when we get to the third film, because Colin Trevorrow, who I have zero problems with, I think Colin Trevorrow has done a pretty decent job with this franchise – a lot of people on film Twitter TM treat him like he's cancer. I don't get that. Um, but he's coming back to make the third one, and he's been on record as saying there will be no genetic hybrids in the third one. Other than the ones that already exist. Well, yes. Um, the ones that already exist and already may or may not still be alive. Um, but he said it's going to get back more towards the roots of sort of the um, biological thriller adventure that the first film was. So I'll be very interested to see what direction that this, this next one takes. Um, but you know, again, I think that this, this film is, is going back to our our thoughts before we get into spoilers. Everything you said is absolutely correct. This movie takes some left turns away from what you're used to in the franchise, the the second half of the film is very claustrophobic. It's set in settings that we've never really seen in the Jurassic Park franchise before. I found that to be refreshing and interesting from a storytelling perspective, from an action sequence perspective. Um, there are some shots in this film that are all-timer shots. Like, in my opinion, there are some shots in this film that are of some of the most gorgeous in the franchise. Which isn't to take anything away from Spielberg, but like... You know, there are moonlit shots, um, just the composition and the lighting and things like that that I think are really, really well done. Um, It's, I found it to be infinitely more intense than maybe even the first one. 
I think it's about on par with how, how intense The Lost World is, because The Lost World's really dark. Yeah. And kind of scary. Like, um, this one, like you said, the second part of the film is almost leans towards straight horror. Yeah. Uh, in, in a bunch of aspects. So I'll be interested. We're taking um, my 10 year old cousin is coming with the family to see it again tomorrow. I'll be interested to see if what she <laughs> gets out of this. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I I mean, I enjoyed it. It's by no means a perfect film, um, despite the fact that it's two hours and 10 minutes long. I think that it makes some huge jumps in terms of like where everybody is and how fast they get to certain areas. So that's. You know, it's it's not perfect. I give it four popcorns. Um, I say it's definitely the kind of movie that you need to see in the theaters. But also, like, if you're if you're into Jurassic Park, I don't know how you're not at least somewhat into this movie. There are a lot of people I have read on film Twitter. There are a lot of reviews that are are absolutely sick and tired of Jurassic Park, and that's just never gonna be me. He, I, I, knock on wood, I don't want to put a challenge out to the universe. But I'm willing to bet that I will never get sick and tired of Jurassic Park films or Jurassic World films or whatever they may be. Anytime a dinosaur is involved, I'm in. I'm there. I'm not bored. I don't care. And so there is a huge part of me that has a very hard time separating that personal feeling when watching other people's reactions and seeing, like, literally, I saw on Twitter today, someone said it was a piece of trash. And I just, I, I don't get it. That's like somebody looking up at the sky and saying that it's it's fucking purple like it's blue it's not it's or water is dry like get out what are you talking about you're talking crazy talk so that's to me i give it four popcorns i say that it is vastly different than any other jurassic world film or jurassic park film and i think that that's sort of almost like a uh like a rorschach test like you might be into it or you might not be it's different and I think that that's something that when I see reviews that say, like, this is more of the same, that doesn't make any sense to me. I definitely disagree with that. I, I don't think it's more of the same. For me, upon, you know, a little bit more time for it to soak in, it's it's going to be a three-popcorn movie for me. Okay. Um, that being said, I 100% suggest, if you like the Jurassic Park movie, seeing it and seeing it in theaters because the one thing I'll always say about most movies, but especially movies like this, like you need to see them in theaters. Like that's where you're going to get the full effect of it. That's where you're going to get the best sound. Um, and sounds very much a part of these films and especially this film, um, something that's different than some of the other films as well. Um, things they do with music, things they do with the, the sound in general. Um, I think those are all parts, but for me, um, I just have too many issues with it to, to give it, to give it four. So I got to go three. Okay. All right. I'll, I accept that. We'll, we'll get more into it when we, when we start talking about spoilers. Before we do that, though, as always, I want to remind everybody that wherever you're listening to us, remember that you can subscribe to this podcast for free. Get it on your smartphone. Get it in your car, wherever you're listening to us, however you're listening to us, whether it be through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. Do us a favor and subscribe. Give us a rating. Throw us four or five stars. Really, really appreciate that. Um, also, we want you to be a good movie buddy with us. We want you to be part of our conversation on our social media. So if you're on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, follow us at The Popcorn Diet. And then we rolled out a bunch of Jurassic World content this week on PopcornDietPodcast.com. We 
did some recapping of the previous franchise and our favorite bits of it. We have a review of Jurassic World up right now. Um, I think we're going to have two reviews. We'll have one that's spoiler-free and one that's got a bunch of spoilers in it. Um, so check that out on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But now we're going to talk about spoilers. So get out if you can, uh, if you don't want uh, anything to uh, to be a part of, uh, uh, if you don't want to be a part of spoilers or anything like that. Um, David, the first thing that I wanted to talk about, which it was the, the three movies comment, or the three, it felt like three different movies. Um, because I highlighted that in 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 my review, in that the first third of the film feels like uh, your traditional going to Dinosaur Island adventure film. The second third of the film feels more like a like medical animals rights section at, when they're on the boat, and then the third portion, the third third of the film is just a straight up like monsters in a house you know terrorizing people type of film would you say that that's accurate yeah i mean i kind of lump your first and second into one because you have kind of the animal rights conversations in the beginning before they get to the island and that kind of stuff so it's called kind of lumped into this idea of like do we need to go back to the island do we need to save these dinosaurs like that's that's almost like what could be potentially a movie just by itself, like the fight to go back and save these dinosaurs or let them die. Like that's kind of how this movie was marketed for the most part um, was this island's about to blow up. Do we go back and save them? And that's right. pretty much what the first chunk of it is. Once you get on the boat, we've already saved them and we've already let the rest of them die. Yeah. So like we're beyond that point right. of it. And now we move into like you said, the the horror, the thriller, mm-hmm. small site mm-hmm. type of film. And I really liked that. Like, I really liked how this leaned in every way towards more of a horror monster film. Um, when the, the, the music, the score for this film was released um, like a week ahead of time. And so I was like, oh, anytime a Jurassic World score comes out, I'm into it. But I listened to it, and it was very intense. Like, it was almost terrifying what Michael Giacchino has done with the score. And then when you see it applied to the film, it makes total sense. Like, there are new distinct themes in this film, but they are not of the, you know, bum, 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 ba bum, 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 bum. Like, that's an adventure film. Mm-hmm. This is not really an adventure film. Um, I mean, the first part, sure, plenty sure. of adventure, you know, soldiers on an island, what have you. Um, but it, it again, I don't feel like it's a necessarily a bad thing, but the cinematography, you know, that shot of the Indoraptor standing in the rain on the roof of the mansion with the moonlight and roaring, like, that's straight out of some Guillermo del Toro shit. Like, that's a, a, a beautiful image that is scary, you know, um, all of the shit with the Indoraptor was was really frightening. Even the montage of the auction with the music, um, you know, the, the 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 intensity of it and the fact that like these guys are actually getting away with it, like they're just selling off these dinosaurs plays very, very intensely. And that's kind of the big word that I remember from the second half of the film is this very intense. Um, so 
your you know your mileage may vary on that i guess right yeah so uh the other thing um obviously you know this does have some big 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 action scenes and stuff like that i want to talk about our favorites but before i do i want to go out on a limb and, and venture venture to say that this film probably has two of my favorite deaths of the franchise okay um I always love when a death is not obscured by by a plant or some bullshit. So like when Gennaro died in the first film and the T-Rex just straight up ate him right there. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. When Eddie got ripped in half in The Lost World, I'm into it. None of the kills in Jurassic Park 3 are that great. Um, this one has two. When Ken Wheatley... Go, number one, this is was a really good introduction to just how fucking crafty the Indoraptor was when Wheatley comes in and tranks him um, and climbs in to grab the tooth and the raptor's faking it and then straight up bites, his, rips his fucking arm off right there, right in front of everything. I was like, yes, yes, eat him. And the way he was like drooling and crying over himself, really intense. He absolutely deserved it, but I fucking loved it. And then the way Mills got eaten, I really enjoyed at the end as well because they stage it as if the Carnotaurus is going to come from behind. Like, oh, he doesn't see the Carnotaurus coming from behind him. And then the T-Rex takes him out, does a very similar situation where he flips him in the air like Eddie Carr, and then the Carnotaurus comes and rips his leg off, and it's all right there. Yeah. And they even had, like, the compies down on the ground eating, like, the rest of him right there as well. I just, I dug that. I thought, I mean, I'm a sucker for violence and 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 dinosaur deaths, so I was really into that. Was there anything particular out of these that you enjoyed in terms of, like, scenes or moments or anything? I could, I mean, I could go on. There's a bunch of stuff that I enjoyed in this film. No, I would say those are, are some of the better ones. Um I think, obviously, I enjoyed how the Ender Raptor goes at the end. It's teased for a long time of how it's going to happen, but it was cool the way it happened. Obviously, the good the um, staging of the shot as Blue is standing on it, yeah. like that's just some iconic. Sh- that's a good shot. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, other than that, I mean, I enjoyed um, uh, what kind of dinosaur is it the ones when he the one that ends up breaking them out um, uh the stiggy Moloch. yeah stiggy i've always enjoyed those dinosaurs so uh-huh. i enjoyed that that part of it um I, I don't think the the scene was as for as much as it was built up and teased in the trailers it was still good um but the whole thing in the bedroom um yeah. to me i guess it's because you saw the majority of like the dramatic part of it in the trailer. So maybe that took a little bit away okay, from yeah. it. Um, but I think I was maybe expecting a little bit more. We obviously, there's only so much you can have when you have two CGI dinosaurs fighting each other. Sure. Um, I will say though, like this was like one of the, probably does the most of any of the movies of dino on dino action a lot of dino on dino action. Um, you had a number of times it happened on the island before they got off mm-hmm. um obviously you had blue v- versus the indoraptor mm-hmm. um at the end but um you know i think we all as kids thought about like 
two dinosaurs going at it, and you got that more than you got in any other movie. Right, right. Well, I like that. Other than the end of Jurassic World. Right. Well, even Jurassic World had the scene where the Indominus took on the Ankylosaurus and, like, tried to bite his shell and flipped him over and killed him. Sure. There's a lot of that here, like the Carnotaurus and um, I think it's a Sinoceratops uh, go at it for a little bit while the volcano's blowing up, and then the Sinoceratops kind of whoops the Carnotaurus' ass and then he turns his gaze to the ball and the humans, and then the T Rex comes in and takes him out even more. Yep. I'm all I was, I'm all about that. I was dope as hell. Absolutely. I want to go back to what you were talking about though with the trailers. See, that's that's so. I feel like the trailers showed way too much in terms of the ending of this film. I mean, the trailers showed everything in the house. It showed the Indoraptor on the on the the greenhouse roof the glass roof yep. like it literally shows all the way up it shows the mosasaur in the attack in the surfers like that's one of the last shots of the film well part of me wonders if they did the original trailers yeah, which we talked that about that was just the volcano that was just the volcano and kind of set it up as it's this movie is basically a rescue mission on the dinosaurs right. and they did that and it almost feels like they felt pressure to not just go into the movie with just that and really allow people to know, okay, this isn't just a rescue film type of thing. Like right. it's more of a different movie. It's a horror movie, you right. know, that kind of thing. And I feel like by doing that, there's nothing wrong with that in your, in your world. You like having the trailer tell you what type of movie it is, not deceive you. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with that, but yes, the <laughs> scenes that they chose to show and the clips that they chose to put in the trailer did seem, now having seen the movie, right? like, I do feel like it spoiled a decent chunk of the sure. movie. Like, there's a lot of what happens that wasn't that big of a surprise to me because of the trailer. Right, like the first the first trailer didn't even have the Indoraptor in it. It didn't have any of that bullshit. And the second trailer, straight up, showed the mercenaries turning on them and shooting blue. And they're like, it was all a lie. It was a double cross. It shows them getting to the mansion. It shows them in an auction. It shows them, it shows the Indoraptor breaking out and terrorizing them in that staircase and terrorizing them down the hall and fighting blue. It shows a lot of the fucking movie. It's Two, the movie ends with the, the, we'll just fucking straight up put it out there, with half of, what What would you say, that that they took 50 dinosaurs off the island, 40 to 50, somewhere, right? Somewhere in that range. And then they sold half of them, because they literally say, we're halfway through the night, and we're going to introduce the Indoraptor. And we're, we were in different stages of, I mean, the way they set it up was as soon as they sold, it got put into a truck, they drove and it away and started shipping. Yeah. Um, we saw some of those shipments get interrupted, uh-huh. um, but it pretty much makes you believe that those things were shipped as soon as they were purchased. Off to wherever so they went We to. would imagine 15-ish were shipped and gone. Sure. And then the other 25 are either dead, which I don't think we really had many die in Not the mansion. Not many died. Um, other than the Indoraptor, obviously. Naturally. Um, so we're we're guessing there's probably about like 24-ish that and they are all get running out, free. And they all escape. And, th- and it's everything from 
Diplodocus to the T-Rex to the Carnotaurus to Compies to the Raptors, small, big, all different dinosaurs get out and escape. The Mosasaurus swimming around the ocean, and the end of the movie gives Malcolm... Malcolm's in the beginning of the film and the end of the film, and he's essentially coming in to just say, like, this is the natural order, like, this is chaos. The animals should be left to die. Like, we've fucked around with nature so much... And we're surprised that this is coming out of it now. And he goes through this whole speech at the end as we see the Mosasaur attacking surfers, which you see everything in the trailer. There isn't anything more. It's in the trailer. You see a shot of the T-Rex roaring face-to-face with a lion. Great shot. That was in the trailer. Mm -hmm. You see Blue standing uh, on a mountain looking over a suburb. Not in the trailer. You see at the very end, um, you see all the trucks driving with with various dinosaurs. And so, like, literally, like, two shots from the last 60 seconds of the film are in the trailer. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, they're iconic shots, don't get me wrong. But, like, I just feel like Universal could have done a lot better in putting together trailers that didn't beat for beat lay out the film. Well, and once you got into the film and those shots weren't in the beginning, you kind of knew they were going to be at the end. So right. you kind of knew where you were headed to right. because of those shots in the trailer, which to me took a little bit away because I'm someone who doesn't like to know what's going to happen before it happens. Uh-huh. Um, to me, it was like all these dinosaurs are going to escape at some point, right? which took away some of the drama of them being gassed inside the mansion, uh-huh. you know, all that kind of stuff. Cause it was like, We've already seen from the trailer, and we're two hours into this film. They're obviously getting out <laughs> right. and running free. Right. Like, it's not a reverse of the if San Diego. you put Di- two and two together, you put what you've showed us with what we're seeing. Yeah. We know what's going to happen. When we which, see- is, which is funny for a film that is built so much on suspense and based so much on suspense right. that you would give that much away in the trailer. Right, right. Um, I do like how they edited some of the things out because the trailer did make it seem a lot more like Owen and Blue were going to be like Turner and Hooch. Like yeah. there are shots in the trailer where he's just like, hey girl, you thinking what I'm thinking? And he doesn't say that to Blue. He says that to Stiggy yeah. and he says it like not seriously either. Yeah. Like he's not really talking to her. So I like that. I, I was fine with that. Um, I mean, how did you feel about the human characters? I again, you're no big fan of Claire, but I actually enjoyed Claire because I felt Claire mirrored Hammond in that in the first film she's a capitalist and in the second film she's a naturalist and that's exactly what Malcolm says to Hammond in The Lost World. He's like, "Oh, so you went from capitalist to naturalist yeah. in 3 years. That's impressive." Claire did the same thing. She's she's taken responsibility for her part in that chaos. I thought she's way better in this film than she was in the last agreed, film. Agreed. I will say that. Um, she, they, they straight up go out of their way to show her shoes two or three, three times, times. Yeah. Just to be like, all right, you fucking internet nerds, chill out with the high heels thing. She's in boots, this whole goddamn movie. Um, I didn't mind the other two, um, good guy characters. I didn't mind Franklin, although one could, obviously see how he gets annoying i thought he was funny yeah um and i thought zia was really good in that she was just like i'm not gonna take any bullshit from anybody i enjoyed that i i I liked her character so here was one of my issues with with the film um 
and it's it's not that they were bad in any way. To me, this film just went to so many generic like check boxes of a film, like nerdy tech guy, like yeah. animal lover, doctor type of person. <laughs> okay. um, the people that made up the people that were freaking buying dinosaurs. It was the like Russians it was like the... cartoony ish. Like yeah. it felt like an Austin Powers movie when those people were walking in. Like you had the two Wild West cowboys that yeah. made their money in Vegas. You had the Russian dude. You had hey, Arsh. The, you had the Yakuza type of people. <laughs> like it was freaking. Listen, stereotypes like, are built in facts. That's fine, but it was like you went to like. Like, literally, that scene of the auction in there, Yeah, you could have put it in an Austin Powers movie, and it would fit in. Like, Okay. Interesting. And, it, and it's fine. Like, again, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't try to sell me that this is some, like, <laughs> groundbreaking film or anything like that. Like, understand it being cheesy, as cheesy as it is. Just like you said earlier, like, there's a lot of shortcuts in this film. Yeah. Like... Our boat ride from Costa Rica to Northern so, California took like it seemed seemingly five hours, if that, <laughs> if that. Like, like that's a four. They don't cruise. ever sleep on the boat. No, and also you mean to tell, and again, it's not a perfect film. So if we're gonna get nitpicky yeah. here, you mean to tell me that those four were never discovered on that boat the whole time? I also want to know where they slept. Did they sleep with their eyes closed next to the raptor? Right. Like, what happened to that T Rex when it woke up? Like did. It, did that little box really keep it contained? Exactly. So there's some things like that. The other thing is, is like. And I will say, I, I be, hold your thought, because yeah. I will also say, like, the bad guys are very one dimensional. Yeah. And they do go out of their way to get eaten. Yes. Like, particularly Wheatley, played by the great Ted Levine. He's your typical asshole lead white, great white hunter. Which which I'm fine with because that's been a trademark of the Jurassic Park sure, films. Sure, he's feel a like. prick. He's pulling out dinosaurs' teeth and collecting them like he's a total asshole. But then he walks in looking for well, I want my bonus. Sees the Indoraptor locked in a cage. Admittedly, tranks the thing four or five times to go get a tooth, and then gets in the cage with the dinosaur. Leaves the gate open like yeah. They, I mean, and they had to set that up because. Obviously, if you're me sitting in that film, you're like, how the heck does this this thing get loose? Like, right. no one's dumb enough to be like, ah, I need to escape. I'm going to let him go, and maybe that'll allow me to escape. Like, right. that's not going to be the way. So, like, right. who's going to be the idiot that unlocks the Indoraptor? Him. Um, and obviously, they set that up earlier by him grabbing, I think it was Blue's tooth. Did he buy he did the stegosaurus. No, the stegosaurus tooth. tooth. Pulled out his big. Yeah, vice and it showed that he has out. all these other teeth. You yeah. know that kind of thing. So they established that. Fine. And again, I'm I'm fine with that. There's always that in sure. all these films. Sure. Um, but even something like, for instance, how are you going to tell me? And I understand he's in a wheelchair and he's not healthy, <laughs> but like, how does oh, what's his name? We haven't even talked about James Cromwell. James Cromwell. Fucking, is, uh, fucking farmer Benjamin, Benjamin Lockwood. Lockwood. Yeah. You're telling me that Lockwood has no one in that house has seen giant semi trucks coming and going like this entire dinosaur factory underneath. Like no one's noticed that the entire time. Like we couldn't have like an offsite. I understand they're wanting to do like because 
Um, well, it sounded like Lockwood. Lockwood talks about we have the whole nostalgia thing again of right. like, and we're continuing under, our un- research. Underneath is where the first one was born. Like we right. have that whole conversation. Okay, great. Um, but c- come on, but like we else? couldn't have an offsite warehouse where they're doing all of this stuff. So, like you think the guy would really test his luck of doing it all right all underneath, underneath there, and it's only protected by a four-digit passcode. <laughs> That an eight-year-old can watch him type in and get? Not only a four-digit passcode, but a four-digit passcode that has different tones, so you can listen to the tones yeah. of them. So, again, like, this is, where it, this is where it comes down to is, like, I'm not going to go to the extreme and say this is, like, a Sharknado-type film. Ooh. I'm not going to that extreme. No, but, but like by saying you're not going to that extreme, you're may, you're putting it on the I table. I understand, but you're a whole lot closer to a Sharknado film, in my opinion, than you are to Jurassic Park. Here's the thing, though. I will admittedly, I'll admit to this. Like, if Sharknado was made in a semi-serious tone, semi-serious, sure. with... a $150 million budget and big-time actors and directors... I'm fucking there for it. I'm there for it. You mean the Meg? Yes! <laughs> I mean the Meg. I mean, absolutely. I'm there for it. But we've discussed this. I think we've discussed this previously. I'm in the bag for monster movies. Absolutely. I'm in the bag. I'm, And I'm perfectly fine with that. Right. But to me, let's compare this film to the Meg that comes out later this year and not to Jurassic Park. Like, that's where I'm at with okay. it at this point. Like, Interesting. To me, this movie falls into the category of the Meg, where, like, I've got to go into these movies now expecting fully, like, cornball, like, sci-fi. Chris Pratt's my favorite character by far in this, and to me, he he holds up a lot of the characters in this film. Sure. Like, he's very good. He's very good in this film. No one else in this movie would I say is very good, like... There's people that are fine. Sure. But his is the only performance that I'm like, okay, there's a reason Chris Pratt's a superstar. Right. Like, you like know, this, that kind he's of got, thing. He's not as serious as he is in the first film. He's got a little bit more charm, a little bit that, more of that Chris Pratt. Still looks great. That sequence where he was knocked out and the lava's coming around him, like, I was genuinely like, this is an upsetting. Like, yep. this is intense. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean... Yeah, I, I liked, I enjoyed everyone in it, but you are certainly right. Like, Toby Jones played Gunnar Eversall, who's the auctioneer. Yeah. That motherfucker's on Ham City, you know? <laughs> and and even Rafe Spall. I thought Rafe Spall, who was in um, The Big Short, and yep. who played, like, a, a decent dude in The Big Short, yep. I thought that played really well here because he comes off... He, as a genuinely decent dude at the beginning. Sure, absolutely. I think he does a really good job of that. But then when he switches, he's just so cartoonishly like, yeah, we'll sell this fucking prototype Indoraptor for $30 million. Thank you. Thank you. Now, that like, leads me to my last thing with this, which makes me draw comparisons to Austin Powers again. Okay. Is that you're telling me we could have bought Based off of what we saw uh-huh. and the going rate of these dinosaurs, uh-huh. you could buy every single of the last remaining dinosaurs for basically like $150 million. $150 million. Ish. Yeah. Put it in perspective, and I stole Looking this. Looking at from, I stole, I stole this from a, a, an article, but someone made the comparison of 
Facebook spent two million, two billion dollars on Oculus, but you could buy every remaining dinosaur right. for basically two hundred million dollars. Right. Like the prices were so it, it just really it low. just like a U.S. a tank that they they build costs to build about nine million dollars. So we're saying like something that's like a genetically modified dinosaur is only going for like. $24 million or $30 million. Right. So it just reminded me of Austin Those Powers. Those felt a little small to you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> especially when we're doing this underground, like, black market. Well, like so, And especially when he says, like, the earlier comment about $4 million, and he's like, what about $4 million? Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. And I, it just reminded me of Austin Powers when he's like, $1 million. Like, $1 million isn't that much anymore. And they all laugh at him. <laughs> like, and, and, and yeah, I, and I get that. Like, it did seem a little, it did seem low. You know, like, it feels like you could invest in a tech startup and make better money faster, probably. Absolutely. Like, why, why are these, like, evil geniuses... Picking dinosaurs to make a couple hundred million dollars. Right. Like the tech that you have there, just even the girl being cloned, like right. the granddaughter That's being cloned. So much more money. Like you could sell that in a perfectly <laughs> legal way for a whole lot more money than this. <laughs> <laughs> or like, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned the tank, right? Yeah. Like uh, the, a tank costs $9 million to make, right? And then they pull out an ankylosaurus and they're like, it's like a living tank. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> why not just make a tank for $9 million? You can put people in it. It and has you can, guns. And you can do it in a non-sketchy way that's going to get you arrested. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, Yes. There is definitely there 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 is it's not a perfect film, but I still enjoyed the fuck out of it. Like I still enjoyed. It's fun. It's it's again for all these things. I again I just that's why like for me moving forward, like I'm not I'm gonna tell myself don't expect the first three Jurassic Parks anymore. Sure. Expect this whole new ridiculous like sci-fi Jurassic yeah. expect Jurassic World yes like I think Jurassic Park and Jurassic World have now differentiated themselves as very different franchises yes. with similar DNA sure one might even say that it's been genetically altered <laughs> as a franchise absolutely <laughs> so uh, that's probably a pretty good setup um, I actually one I do have one more question before we wrap it up we'll go a little bit long for this one but this movie ends with with dinosaurs in the world not only in the wild, but also at, in various to various other governments or criminal organizations or rich people or whatever. Where do we go from here? Because to me, I thought of like a Planet of the Apes scenario, except it can't be that hard to hunt down 40 dinosaurs. Well, there's only 40. Like yeah. 40 dinosaurs cannot take over the world. No, it can't be that hard. There's one Mosasaur. It can't breed. Exactly. It can't do anything. There's one T-Rex that mm -hmm. can't breed. There's one, you know, like, unless they write some way. Where, and they're, uh, granted, there are plenty of compies. There are a few other tri triceratopses. And there were duplicates of other dinosaurs that could, could potentially breed. But, like, it can't be that hard to fucking... That Mosasaur is on the beach. Tag it and nuke it from orbit like same thing with the t-rex getting a chopper you put a 50 caliber sniper rifle and mark Wahlberg in that chopper and he's gonna blow his brains out from a mile away like it can't be that hard so i'm curious as to what the next scenario is because i think the only way that it could happen is if there's a time jump and other people and there's suddenly like 
unbridled creation of time. Is BD Wong still not going to age? No, evil doctor, <laughs> evil fucking fiendish Doctor Wu is going to be off in the jungle somewhere, creating his Velociraptors again because there are no more pure Velociraptors anymore. That's right, because you know? his bloods. So that's the only scenario I can see where this Jurassic World is going is that all of these dinosaurs that went out to other people, and you said about 15 to 20 of them, they get reverse engineered and other people are putting shit out. Well, because here's the thing. There's only probably about maybe a half a dozen carnivores. So like there's not many. You're talking about the majority of the ones that escaped are not carnivores. Right. So you can't imagine they're going to be very difficult to to stop because it's not like they're roaming around looking for human blood to eat. Like, so they're going to be pretty easy to catch. So you're talking about like six or seven, like tough ones to catch. And some of them are the little tiny guys that I always forget their names. The packies Um, or the compies and the, you know, but here's the thing that I thought was that as I thought about it a little bit, it kind of drew parallels and I don't want to open up this can of worms too much so we're just gonna crack it just a little bit okay but what has happened with this jurassic world trilogy um it kind of reminds me of what's happened with star wars yes yes me too because you have trevorrow that does the first one yeah and i feel like the first one while it has its flaws feels related to the first one yeah it has has a general treatment of how they do the dinosaurs yes there's the one modified Dr. Wu's back. But then Trevorrow hands it over to this other director. A quote-unquote visionary director. Who basically paints you into a corner of where you can go next. Yeah. Like, this isn't open-ended. Like, the next film has to address how do we get these dinosaurs back maintained. Right. Um, There's not a whole lot of different directions that you can go. Um, That's a really good... I said that exact same thing in that... The first film, The Force Awakens and Jurassic World were very nostalgic heavy. Hey, remember all these characters that you like? Hey, remember this universe that you like? Remember the dinosaurs? Remember how shit goes wrong? Well, that's all happening here. And then the second film is like, remember all that shit before? We're going to do something completely different. Yeah. You know, remember all of that that you remembered? Different. Remember the, the, the island? Fucking gone. Remember Luke Skywalker? He's hiding on an island. And so the third one is going to be, un, I feel, it's going to be the first truly one that is 1,000% unlike mm-hmm. any of the other ones. It's the same with the fourth, the th- or I'm sorry, the ninth Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Like there is only, they're bringing Trevorrow back for the third one. They're bringing J.J. Abrams back yeah. for the third Star Wars be really interesting to see what happens. But I 100% agree with that analogy, especially in the sense of like, this is how we're rebooting old franchises. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're showing respect to the original. We're establishing characters that previously existed. And then we have to blow it up if we want it to exist for years to come. Either way, I'm going to be there for it. When Jurassic World 3 comes out, I'm going to be there for it. I'm going to be hyped for it. I'm probably going to take it a little bit more earnestly and seriously than you will (laughs) from now on. But that's okay. As long as we can still find enjoyment with it. Like, I'm never going to get old of of dinosaurs. No. Ever. I mean, uh, whatever movie they're in, I'm there for. I don't care. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, I guess we'll find out in like two or three years... 
where Star Wars and, and the Jurassic World franchises are at. So and that, that'll be the day. Um, but we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up there. We went a little bit long, but that's okay. Just to remind everybody, again, do us a favor and subscribe, like, comment, and rate The Popcorn Diet wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Be part of the Good Movie Buddy Club. Join us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And always, you can find all of our latest articles and our latest episodes on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. And we're going to see you next time with another good movie on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.